You're listening to episode 44 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. This is the worst assortment of five miscreants I've ever seen. Still, it'll have to do. As you know, the Russian hand and scroll have been terrorizing the podcast waves for some time. It's up to you five to stop them. So in our Defenders video, uh, you guys were all the various Defenders. I think Marco was Jessica Jones, Phil was Daredevil, and so yeah, on and so forth. you're clearly the stick of this podcast. <laughs> uh, I had, I had, I took a lot of time to think about that, and I think ultimately I would end up being stick. <laughs> hey, you're, you're all a bunch of assholes. Let's go save the world. Good one, Phil. Yes, thank you, Phil, for the stick intro. Uh, you had to put on glasses for He's that. putting on these sunglasses well, yeah, from Adam he's Frame, gotta, and I can't handle it. <laughs> he's got to pretend he's blind. <laughs> he's got to get in character. Mouth off all you want, you four, but the threat still remains of the scroll and the Russian hand. And the more you keep jibber-jabbering, the Longbox boys are going to keep collaborating with them. Are you really you're trying to lump them in with the hand now? That just seems excessive. They're like our frenemies. If anything, they're like cloak and dagger. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Which which one's which, though? Who's cloak and who's dagger? I think Murphy's dagger. I think that's what I said the last time. But by now, everyone's had a week to watch the Defenders. Uh, we got through it. And later on in the show, we're going to be talking about that very thing with full spoilers. Um so if you don't want to be spoiled, you should tune out at that point. But before we get into the spoiler-centric portion, we will talk a bit about our impressions uh, without spoilers. So that'll come a lot later on. Before we get to all that, I do want to tell you guys how you can reach out to us and where you can find us all over the internet. So first up, we're on iTunes, where we are a five-star rated podcast. Let's keep that trend going by you guys going to iTunes and giving us that sweet five-star rating. If you haven't rated the show yet, now's a great time to do it because we are going to blow your minds with this episode. That's a promise that I have no intention of keeping. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said that with all the energy of like a sleeping dog. <laughs> damn right, because it is early. Uh, For who? Me, damn it. Uh, so... Also, we're on all other podcast hosting platforms, so you can find us on there. SoundCloud, especially where you guys have been really, really great about listening consistently. Uh, we are also at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. Check us out on there. Uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can write in with a random question to buy or sell, or just to tell me why you don't like Phil's impressions. Um <laughs> What do you mean, old Grant Morrison is here? <laughs> Shit. Uh, and then, last but certainly not least, we are on YouTube, where we do have a history of the Defenders video out that we did post last week. It's excellent, if I do say so myself. Uh, it's our highest viewed item on YouTube, yeah. I believe. Yeah, past correct? 300 yeah. views the other day. Yep. By, yeah, uh, by, so, by a lot, right? Um... By a yeah. bit, Rob I think Feld's there's some there things too. that are, yeah. Uh, so if you haven't contributed your view to that video, you should go do so. Uh, it's a brisk nine minute video, not a long portion of your day. Check it out, worth your we time. Would greatly appreciate it. Uh, and then, yeah, absolutely. And then of course, there's a bunch of other YouTube content on there, and more to come. That's exclusive. So in like the next um, couple of weeks. So 
get ready. Yeah. Cool. So that's our plugs. Uh, let's dive into the meat of the show. I wanted to ask you guys a quick question. Does that mean it's time for the random question of the week? Wow. No, Petey just wants to know how we like our steaks. <laughs> Medium rare. Well done. Uh, that was in reference to the steak, not you, Pete. Oh, I um, like it to be cooked in the fire. So, leather. Defenders. We wa- we all watch Defenders, and it, it includes basically every supporting character that's appeared on the Netflix show so far. So, of all of those, just the supporting characters, not the main ones, who's your favorite? Madam Gao. Okay. Go I ahead. would I would love to see a Madam Gao uh, Netflix show. I'm way, way more interested in that than Punisher and literally almost anything else that's come out. Uh, she has been the... Uh, a mysterious link in this chain for all of the Netflix uh, series. Um, was she in Luke Cage or Jessica Jones? No. Okay, well, uh, I stand corrected. Uh, she has been the most interesting thing in uh, three out of the five series that have come out. Um, she's interesting and she's clearly got dope superpowers um i'd like to follow her i mean i I super like gal i don't know if i'd want to watch a show about her but yeah i'm with you i don't i don't either but it'd be better than iron fist (laughs) (laughs) oh shit you guys ready for lukewarm takes from kale about iron fist (laughs) (laughs) lukewarm damn um, hmm. I don't know, man. Like, it's really tough. There's a lot of really, really likable supporting players, but I feel like I feel like I probably am going to go with Foggy. Um, I really I love Foggy as a character um, in the comics, and I think they've done a great job of bringing him to uh, to the screen. And I think um, especially with a character like Daredevil, who is so like heavy and, you know, like right right up on the fucking like edge of grimdark you know um i think having a character like foggy who is not only a person that he really cares about that like like ties him to being matt murdoch um but is also like good comic relief um is uh is just important you know and i think like their dynamic is one of the best parts of of daredevil um for sure in my mind and I think he has one of the best scenes in Defenders. Two of them, actually. Two or three of them. Well, we, we'll get him into, into yeah, the yeah, spoiler. Yeah. But uh, pretty almost every time that Foggy's in Defenders, he has a really good line. Mm. So, I, I, yeah, I'm going to give it to him. Um, My favorite Netflix supporting character is probably Ben Urich from season one of Daredevil. Oof. Hell yeah. 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 I thought he fucking killed it. Um, yeah. And if, I don't know if you'd consider him a supporting character, but the Kingpin? Yeah. Um, those answers are fine, but I'm really looking for answers based on characters who were in Defenders. Claire, the um, the show keeps teasing uh, romantic things that don't necessarily favor Claire, and every time I'm like, ah, Claire, no. <laughs> Marco? Phil is clear. Daddy's little monster. Oh no! <laughs> oh not my Claire. god! No, she's not Daddy's little monster. She's the opposite. <laughs> um, yeah, mine's um Claire as well. I like her 
I mean, she interacts with all the other characters. Um, she's also just like they, they write her very much uh, like, like very independent of other characters. Like Colleen's very much attached to um, to Danny and stuff, and like there's always the the Misty and Luke connection. But she can sort of flow in and out with so with uh, different like weed characters, and she still kind of like has her own voice. Cool. Uh, for me, it's got to be Misty. Uh, I really so obviously I love Misty and Luke Cage. I think she was excellent there. But in Defenders, I think sort of setting her up as like a somewhat of an antagonist at some points, but also an ally to the team was really interesting. Putting basically putting her putting her job and her career on the line uh, versus her desire to to help out and do what she knows is right ultimately. I thought was a great angle for the character. That's, of course, uh, spoiler-free. And then I think the show puts her in a place by the end where, you know, we're obviously not going to get a show that's focused on her, but it gives us, wherever she does end up next, she'll be in in a really interesting place, I think, to develop into an even more compelling character as we go forward. So I think as far as supporting characters go, she had the clearest story arc in Defenders, and I'm most excited to see where hers goes of the supporting characters. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, she's definitely in the most interesting position coming out of Defenders. Um, that being said, though, I, 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 I was inspired to ask this because I did think that the supporting characters were treated well. Um, but before we get to that, let's do some reader mail. Okay, so uh, we mentioned last week on the show that we had a uh, comment on YouTube that we were going to save because it was directed at Kale, and I'm going to read that now. So, a friend of the show, Emily Coleman, writes in, uh, she commented on our San Diego Comic-Con Part 1 video, and we talked about DC's uh, Evergreen Initiative as well, and uh, she writes in and says, Seriously, Kale? Shudder? I got so fed up with not knowing what was going on. Secrets swirling all over the place, but I was bothered, but... (laughs) God damn it. But I was bothered as the reader for being left in the dark for so long. It might have been trade three when the main character finally learns, but she doesn't, uh, learns everything, but she doesn't share it with the reader. It just ends. I'm sure that's where it finally picked up and it was great, but I'm so over it at that point. Big fan of Lelia De, De Lucha? Del Duca? Del Duca. Lelia. Layla. Layla Del Duca, though. Um, wow. Way to butcher that name. Well, hey. Well, usually it's Kale who butchers the name, so because the segment is about Kale, it's only appropriate that Pete butchers the name. <laughs> Thank you for uh, saving. How do I get blamed for that? <laughs> uh, I don't have a response to that. I really enjoyed Shudder. Uh, I I think I've read uh, up to volume four, uh, but it's I mean it's been a minute since I've. Uh, gotten through the through the whole series so i'm not i'm not positive but i really enjoy the whole series um and i don't i mean i don't see how being kept in the dark for so long is that different from like paper girls or um i don't know i can't think of another example off the top of my head paper girls yeah mostly paper (laughs) girls but uh yeah i really enjoy shutter uh i'm sorry you don't emily and um how dare you call me out on my home front like this <laughs> on today the day of your daughter's wedding we used to be friends 
thank you for writing in, Emily. Uh, even though Kale completely null sold you, uh, <laughs> that comment came from YouTube, right? Yeah. Cool. So that's just one of the many ways that you guys can reach out to us. We talked about them before, but of course, the most the most easy way of doing so is by writing to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. So be sure to do that. Now, I want to take this time to quick, quickly respond to a Twitter comment that we received uh, from Matt Murphy, who sorry, sorry, wrote who? in Matt Murphy from The Long Box. Oh, not fam- I'm not familiar. Podcast. Oh. Isn't he well, with the Russian hand? No. <laughs> uh <laughs> so first before before we get before we get into the meat, I want to say thank you to the Longbox guys for responding to my question to them about Secret Empire on their last episode. I thought it was a concise response. What's up, Kale? And congratulations on uh sixty nine episodes. And nice. uh Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll be there soon. Uh we're that being said, though, heels, boys. <laughs> that being said, though, Matt Murphy called me out on Twitter, as he's wont to do, actually, about. Uh, <laughs> he does yeah, like to ho- do yeah, that. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, like he does that to all of us like three times a week. Welcome to the fucking club. <laughs> he calls he calls me out quite a bit, though. Uh, and this time he called me out because I said on the last episode that DC did not have uh, really many superstar writers. And he hit me with this long list of writers who write for DC uh, that are talented, but they're not superstar writers. And anybody who knows anything about comic book jargon understands that a superstar writer is somebody whose name or, or artist for that matter, a superstar in comics is somebody whose name gets put on a book and that name drives sales. That's what that means. That's the same thing it means in every other place where you could have a superstar, right? Like, what is, you know, um, I don't know, uh, Michael Jordan in basketball? What is, um, what is Will Smith as an actor, right? They're superstars. They're the names on the marquee, okay? Brian Bendis, Jeff Johns, those kind of guys, right? Who do so, you, sorry, go ahead. do you remember who he listed? Yeah, plenty of great writers. Keith Giffen, uh, Jimmy Pamiati, um, a, a bunch of writers, you know, in that vein. And they're all great. And I read stuff from every single person that he listed. And you guys can check out this Twitter back and forth if you'd like to by going on there. I believe the comics pals are tagged in the discourse. So you can check that out. Um, but not, I just wanted to. Soapbox. Yes. I just wanted to clarify that I wasn't trying to attack or drag any writers because I love them all. I'm just saying that there's a difference between somebody who is a talented writer and someone who is a superstar writer. They don't always go hand in hand. Right. All you're saying is that Marvel has CM Punk and DC doesn't have anybody from the WWE writing for them. So how do they have any superstars? (laughs) I love it. Not even one superstar on the payroll. Excellent. Quality content. <laughs> That's a joke for our wrestling friends. Yes. What a grandpa right. thing to say. <laughs> if you haven't heard of the WWE. <laughs> the what? Let's let's dive into the Pals Pulls. God damn, let's do some Pals Pulls. So, Pals Pulls is a segment where each of us picks 
a couple of books that we're really looking forward to that are coming out this week. So if you're listening to this on a Monday or a Tuesday, these are the books that are coming out on Wednesday that we're most excited about. Um, so from Marco, we've got Planetoid Praxis number six. Do you want to say a few words about that? Uh, yeah, Planetoid. Uh, it's the second series of the, or Praxis is the second series of the Planetoid. I guess franchise. It was one of the, I think it was the first or second book alongside Saga that I first got from Image. So it it holds a really like uh, special place in my heart because it's the one that introduced me to like the rest of the the uh, the Image books. Um, it was my first or one of my first non superhero books, um, and so. I've been waiting for it. He's been hinting at this second series for almost four years since it launched back in like 2012. Um, and it's finally, it's finally out, but unfortunately it's coming to an end soon. So yeah, really good book. Uh, Ken Gehring, great writer artist. Uh, and then you also chose dead man by Kelly Jones, the complete collection. Yeah. So, uh, Kelly Jones, again, one of my, uh, favorite artist very much comes from the school of Brian Wrightson and his take on, on Dead Man has been like, is, is what defined the character's look. So, um, excited to, to pick that up. Awesome. Sounds cool. Uh, so from Kale, we've got Quantum Teens Are Go. Anything you want to say about that? I know literally nothing about this uh, series except that it's from Black Mask. And and the uh, the title is dope as hell. <laughs> so Kale uh, is one hundred percent judging a book by its cover. I'm judging it by its title. You could have let my joke land. Well, not when it's wrong. Kale's no selling everything today. Yep. <laughs> Fucking Kale's. kayfabe over here. <laughs> so, who's who's kayfabing? Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm super into the black mass stuff. Um. They're they're starting to pump out their uh, first trades, and I'm uh, oh that's cool. I'm very excited to because there's a bunch of books from them I really wanted to check out, but like they're those books as soon as you hear about them you can't fucking find the singles anywhere. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to read uh, what is it five five or six kids walk into a bank four four kids cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also uh, Marco is it Space Riders. Yep. Space we, Raiders, that's We, we awesome. saw that at uh, Pete's comic shop that one time, and I regretted not buying it every day since since I did. Shout out to Conquest Comics in uh, in New Jersey. Yeah, it's really good. That, that When I picked it up, that actually inspired me to pick up the first trade, because that's actually a continuation series of the Space Raiders series. Um, so yeah, really good stuff. Cool. From Pete, we've got Saga 46. Uh, I feel like you've said it all right, about Saga. Right, what can I say about Saga? I love yeah. Saga. It's one of the best books being published. Go fucking read it. Uh, from, from, Phil, from Phil, we've got Batman Rebirth, Deluxe Edition number one. I like large editions and collections of books. This is the first two trades in one. Uh, that's my shit. This is Tom King's. Uh, excellent Batman series. Go check it out. Go buy the deluxe edition. That's the way you should read things. You should do everything like I do it. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then, uh, for me, it's Secret Empire number 10. It's Secret Empire. It's coming to an end. What Last more can issue. I say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you haven't jumped on, wait for the trade. Last issues this week? Yep. Oh, finally. So, it's been a very, very hectic week in the world of comic books. Absolutely crazy. And there's a lot to talk about. We collected a lot of news this week. Yeah. And and some things that I didn't even want to talk about that we're going to talk about. But before we get into all of that, I want to start with some positive things. Because we're going to talk about some things that aren't so positive. Some fucking drama, dude. <laughs> yes. So before we get into everything, I want to say congratulations to our friend, former guest on the show, will be a guest again on the show, Christopher Sabella, for the fact that Heartthrob has been optioned for TV. Woo! Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's absolutely phenomenal. Fuck yeah, Chris. Um, so Christopher Sabella, Robert Wilson, and Nick Filardi, um, they worked on, they are actually working on Heartthrob. Uh, season two is in full swing right now. I think the third issue just came out. Uh, uh, actually, I, I have it. Season two Sorry. of the comic. Yeah, season two of the comic. Um, that's coming from Oni Press. Uh, so Studio 8 acquired it, and Felix Culpa is attached to be executive producer for the TV series. So that's, that's huge news for Chris. Really, really excited. He deserves it. He's a great guy. And uh, a lot of good things have been happening for him lately. So congratulations. It's, it's funny because I believe when he was on the show with us, he was talking about uh, any of his properties being adapted into a TV show as a complete pipe dream. He's like, oh, that'll never happen for me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, there you go. And I, and I think if you haven't read Heartthrob, uh, I can tell you that it would definitely work as a television show. Um, I think it could work as a movie, too, quite frankly, but a television show for sure. Uh, and I recommend picking it up because it's it's really it actually is really good. And I think I would just like to say that all creators, please take note. After his appearance on the Comics Pals, his property got picked right up. So I mean, <laughs> just saying, we're star makers. Said That's it would never happen. Here he is. Got, One got, episode later, he's fucking superstar on his way to the moon. Got that old CP bump. You, man. Uh, and then in addition, I want to say congratulations to the team behind Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman, the movie, of course, has officially become the highest grossing superhero origin film domestically of all time. Wow. Beating out Spider-Man and Deadpool. That's crazy. Yep. I didn't see that it beat Spider-Man. Yeah. So that, that also includes Iron Man. That includes every first film for a franchise. Green Lantern? <laughs> yes, even Green Lantern. Whoa! Holy shit. Crazy. Crazy. Beat out Ryan Reynolds twice, you guys. But, believe it or not, not everyone is over the moon. Oh, one. boy. Yeah. Uh, so, James Cameron, director of my favorite movie, Terminator 2, uh, director of Titanic, director of Avatar, uh, had some things to say about Wonder Woman. He was being interviewed by The Guardian and was discussing the bajillion Avatar sequels <laughs> and for some reason talked about Wonder Woman. And the following are his quotes and then we'll comment. All of the self-congratulatory back padding Hollywood's been doing over Wonder Woman has been so misguided. She's an objectified icon and it's just male Hollywood doing the same old thing. 
I'm not saying I didn't like the movie, but to me, it's a step backwards. Sarah Connor was not a beauty icon. She was strong. She was troubled. She was a terrible mother, and she earned the respect of the audience through pure grit. And to me, the difference is so obvious. I mean, half the audience is female. So so it doesn't sound like he liked the movie. He did. He 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 says he says I'm not saying I didn't like the movie. Man, Wait, he just like said half. He said half the audience is female. So his point is that because half the audience is female, it's a step back from Terminator. No, what he's saying is that because half the audience is female, you have to make the film to cater to them on some level, and you can't just objectify the female character in the movie because it's going to turn off half the audience. Well, that's interesting because I didn't hear women saying that she was being objectified. <laughs> right. Uh, that's what makes it so interesting um, that he would say this. He and got a boner during the movie and felt weird about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what that means. You could be right. Uh, but I don't want to think about James Cameron's boner. So instead... <laughs> I'm going to read Patty Jenkins' response. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, so I'm going to bring up Avatar, which is his boner. Uh, <laughs> uh, Patty Jenkins clapped back at James Cameron, politely, respectfully, of course. Um, but I thought that her response was excellent. So we'll, uh, we'll read the response and we'll comment on the whole thing. James Cameron's inability to understand what Wonder Woman is or stands for to women all over the world is unsurprising, as although he is a great filmmaker, he is not a woman. Strong women are great. His praise for my film Monster and our portrayal of a strong yet damaged woman was so appreciated. But if women have to always be hard, tough, and troubled to be strong, and we aren't free to be multidimensional or celebrate an icon of women everywhere because she is attractive and loving, then we haven't come very far, have we? I believe women can and should be everything, just like male lead characters should be. There is no right and wrong kind of powerful woman. And the massive female audience who made the film a hit, the hit it is, can surely choose and judge their own icons of progress. I think that was really eloquently said, you know? Um, And I agree with her. Like, I, I think the idea that, like, the only way to make a strong female character is to reject... Um, you know, things that are seen as traditionally feminine or whatever, like that's that I agree with her that that doesn't seem like progress. You know, I think letting women be whatever they want to be is progress, you know, and I think showing like to her point again, like multifaceted or not multifaceted characters, but a, a wide range of female characters that range from being, you know, hardline badasses like, you know, Sarah Connor or like Ripley or something like that to someone like Wonder Woman who's a traditional superhero. Like that's what Superman's supposed to be like. So why can't we have a woman be that? And I don't see how Wonder Woman was objectified in this movie. You know, there weren't any like we talked about, we praised the movie for not doing that, for not no being gratuitous or yeah, nothing like that. Her outfit wasn't super revealing, you know, like I, I don't, I don't get where James Cameron's coming from on this, frankly. And I think Patty Jenkins hit hit it on the head. My boner is so weird. I, I don't like it. <laughs> is that supposed to be your James Cameron impression? I don't even know what his voice sounds like. That's, I don't either, but it, that's, that's him upset in the movie theater. Okay. A plus, I guess. <laughs> so I, I had a conversation. This is totally anecdotal, but I had a conversation with a friend. 
And we were talking about Wonder Woman. And she was bothered by the scene in Wonder Woman where she's talking to... Boy, I can't remember his name. Uh, Steve? Thank you. Steve Trevor. Where she's talking to Steve Trevor and basically wanting to have sex with him. And then they have sex. And she was bothered because she didn't understand why Wonder Woman was so quick to have sex with him. Uh, and she felt like that took away from Wonder Woman's power and position as a role model. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I don't agree with that perspective at all. Yeah, I don't um, either. She was fucking horny, dude. <laughs> Again, like that's that's the kind of thing, right? Like I don't I don't like the and I, I don't mean to like judge your friend's point of view, right? Like everyone's point of view is valid. Um, no, I mean I'm just saying for the listener, right? Like. <clears throat> Whatever your feelings on sex are, are your own. But in my mind, I think, again, that's a similar thing of like, I feel like a woman should be able to own her sexuality. So if she's attracted to a man and she wants to have sex with him, why does that take away her power? I feel like that's her having the power. She made the decision that she wanted to have sex with him. So she had sex with him and he wanted to, obviously, because she's a fucking amazing woman, you know? So like, I don't see how that takes her power away. Do we think that a man loses his power when he desires a woman? No. So why should the reverse be true? I agree with that. Uh, and I think that a lot of the conversation surrounding Wonder Woman as a character, um, especially in the timeline before this movie came out but was announced, was that she's a sexist character. This isn't going to work. Um, people aren't going to respect her. All that kind of stuff. And I think that that comment that I just said regarding my friend is emblematic of what's wrong with how we view women as a society. This is coming from a woman. She's not even she, – she's a woman and she's saying this. So to me, that goes to show even some women don't allow women to be the fullness of what they can be. Well, the, um, the sexuality of, of women in general is like a really controversial subject and it's – you got people who still have these pent up, chased kind of like Puritan shit going on, where it's like a woman is at her most powerful when she uh, controls her desires, and then you have people who are like, no, a woman should be able to, as Pete said, a woman should be able to, you know, own her own sexuality like a man would. But it's very complicated. It shouldn't be. That's right. the thing. That's it should, the problem. It should be so clear cut. It should be so clear-cut. Why can't Wonder Woman be an icon or a role model for young girls but still be a sexual being? Why is it that if she's portrayed in the comics the way she always has been as a full-figured, busty woman, that that somehow negates her capacity as a character that, that young girls should look up to? Yeah, I mean, because it comes down to a thing of, like, saying, like, if she's a tra Like, again, I don't, I'm not arguing that she should be sexualized, right? Because there are plenty... We can look at plenty of images of Wonder Woman by legit artists that are objectifying her and that are gross. But I think the whole idea that, like, she can't be beautiful or she can't, like, have sexuality or anything like that, those are... It's, again, to Phil's point, it's the demonization of women's sexuality, you know, and that it, we don't judge men or male characters for having desire or for being sexual beings. But for some reason, we have this very, like, moralistic view about women's sexuality, that if a woman, you know, is a sexual being, that she's somehow, like, you know, devalued or something like that. And that's gross. Hmm. Right. And so 
you know, James Cameron just misguided. You had yet another person who doesn't understand Wonder Woman. And but but by the way, the only other thing I wanted to say was not because he's a man. It's not because he's a man, because there's plenty of women who don't get it. It's that we as a society have a lot of growing up to do and a lot of learning to do about how to approach women in general, but also in media, in in entertainment and storytelling. And I think sexuality in general, like we as a country definitely are uncomfortable with sex and particularly with women having it. And that's dumb because sex is great. Uh, (laughs) Hot take. Thanks. I, I endorsed. Like. <laughs> yeah. Men of a certain age, like Mr. Cameron and myself, we get the strangest boners all the time, and we just feel a lot of self-loathing. Now I want to talk about Titans. Just really quick, uh, we finally have our Starfire. Um, we we know we're getting a, a, a Titan show. It's going to be on the w, WDC's digital service, whatever that's going to be. Um and we've got a Starfire. So this is a show that's going to be produced by Akiva Goldsman, Greg Berlanti. And now we're going to have actress Anna Diop playing Starfire. So she, she was in uh, 24 Legacy. Um, for those of you who might have seen that. Um, and yeah, there's been a lot of people very mad about the casting of a black woman at Starfire. She's an alien. Who cares? What? After the Charlottesville race riots? Weird. <laughs> Again, I like Gamora's a black woman. I don't shut uh, up, internet. Yeah, like, this, grow the fuck up. This, like, he- <laughs> this headline should have been a woman got a job. <laughs> <laughs> a woman got a job, internet angry. A black got a job. A, really? Uh, a black woman. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you just you can't do anything if you're if you're black like it's always gonna be a problem. Starfire is an orange alien. Who cares? Again, but it's like also I don't get it. Like we have the precedent of Gamora is a black woman. Like we already did this and no one was mad. I guess because nobody cares about Guardians of the Galaxy. That's the answer. Uh, we don't. Who cares? Precedents or no? Like why do you care? Why why does anyone on the planet Earth care? To me. Go ahead. Well, guys, it's because she's not Zoe Saldana. Everyone knows it's in her contract. Zoe Saldana has to play every alien babe in every movie and TV show ever. So, does the internet want an orange woman to play Starfire? <laughs> Stack six Oompa Loompas on top of each other and play Starfire? <laughs> uh, congratulations. Pumped we have the show. It's finally We're finally seeing some traction. Uh, sorry, lady. Yeah, I'm just like, I I mean... I I hope you do really well. Yeah, me too. Not gonna watch it, but I hope it's good. Uh, so, a few weeks ago we talked about Dark Knight's Metal. Number one has released. It's awesome. Um, but we, we got to see all the different variations of the Dark Batman, uh, except for the Batman Joker, which... Um, they deliberately were holding for a later point. Well, that point has come. And we now have images of this evil um, Batman who laughs. So I just linked you guys this image of the Batman who laughs. It is actually horrifying. It is a, a, some kind of Joker-Batman hybrid character. Um, but what's more creepy than that is that it chained to this character 
are two Robins that are I don't know if they're dead or vampiric or zombies or there's actually four of them if you scroll down. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. There's the four of them there. Yeah, this is horrifying. Yeah, this is gross. Um, very creepy. Yeah, and then if you scroll even further down, there's a there's a clear image of this character, uh, the Batman who laughs alone, uh, with a cape and that big, big, gross smile. And a we- uh, he's got like a weird like spike visor. <laughs> yeah, what is this? This I, is it's like very bondagey and like I don't know, man. It's a little. Um, this is the Matt Murphy Batman. <laughs> well. I think, like, I don't know, I I haven't read uh, Metal yet, but, like, it seems like this would be, like, the Joker's idea of Batman. Right? Like, you know, he's got the 15 sidekicks and they all follow him around like they're on, you know, a leash. And then, you know, he's wearing all black and he's got the, you know, all the, the belts, I assume, with pockets. You know, in the the cape. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it's it's really interesting. It reminds me immediately when I saw this, I was reminded of Michonne from The Walking Dead. Uh, oh yeah, and, totally. Yeah, her initial gimmick. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people make jokes about the Batman and Joker being gay for each other and having this this strange symbiotic kind of thing going on. There's a whole That's movie the, about it. Yeah, like a Batman makes fun yeah. of constantly. Uh, that's their love child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, um, that's disgusting. Hey, man, love is pure. <laughs> <laughs> nothing pure about the Joker. Damaged. <laughs> that's daddy's little monster. Those are daddy's little monsters. <laughs> oh, this shit's never gonna get old for me. Must yeah, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about how off the rails and crazy the DC cinematic universe is. Oh boy. Yeah, we're gonna get into all this now. There has been a ton of movement in the cinematic universe for DC this week. Like Unbelievable stuff. So let's start with the the first piece of news that we got and work our way through this thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> so the first thing we learned, and this comes from Deadline, was that WB is developing a Joker origin movie with a totally different actor playing the Joker. Um, With... I know you're about to say this, but with Martin Scorsese attached, uh, he's producing. To, to produce, uh, <laughs> the writer of The Hangover, Todd Phillips, will co-write it, and Scott Silver will also co-write it and direct and produce. So, th- so now that's that's one piece of the puzzle. But then on top of that, this whole announcement is the this is the first movie that will take place in what DC is and, and Warner Brothers are now going to be doing which is totally standalone movies that don't necessarily have anything to do with the mainline continuity that have different actors playing the characters 
uh, that basically opens the floodgates to Elseworlds-type stories um, that you'll be familiar with from the comics, stuff like Superman, Red Sun, um, Dark Knight Returns, etc., etc. So that's what that's what they're doing now. Um, so basically, uh, this is coming from ComicBook.com. Um, Phillips and Silver are reportedly already writing the script, but no details on production or a possible release date have been announced. What we do know is that the film will be the first under Warner Brothers' new banner that allows for exploration of the DC Universe and canon without every film needing to be considered part of or connected to the DC Cinematic Universe. This new banner will also allow for the films to use different actors in iconic character roles. What do you guys think about that? I think in regards to using different actors, it's going to start to get confusing. Um, you know, there's already not backlash, but just con- general confusion when the um, the guy on the Flash TV show wasn't going to make an appearance as the guy, the Flash guy in, um, in the the Justice League and stuff. So um, just calling that out, and then um, when they, I, I don't know, it's. It's it's gonna be a weird couple of years and couple movies that are gonna be coming out because this model, um, at least from the past, like from from past movie solo movies or movies that have been like outside of the the universe, quote unquote, kind of thing, haven't done all that well, with the exception of like Logan, um, which was sort of attached to like the um, the the rest of the X Men stuff. Um, it, they don't these don't do well and. In order for the business to survive, I think it needs to be a franchise because that's where the money comes from. Um, these one and done kind of movies, like they're they're great, but they don't help the bottom line in the long term. Um, well, and I don't believe this is going to be a one and done. You you think a, a Joker origin movie is going to have a sequel? Are you, have you seen any of the movies that have come out in the past? 10 years? Of course there's going to be a sequel. There's going to be 30 of them. I don't know, man. It, it, it really depends, right? Because like, there's a lot of news here. Like, y- y- like <clears throat> The headline is, we're getting a Joker movie produced by Martin Scorsese. And what I, that's a d- bad idea. The, the idea of a Joker, Joker origin movie is dumb. Like, that, that, the Joker shouldn't have a definitive origin. Like, that's, that's like my two cents. I, um, I read this on Twitter, and, sin- because, and I'm just going to bring it up because you just said it. Um, I'm gonna find uh, you find that, and I'm gonna finish making my point. All right, sorry. Um, no, no, you're fine. So that's the start of that, right? Like, yeah, Martin Scorsese's attached, but he's producing, and the guy from The Hangovers. I don't know. I, I'm not interested in that. Um, but the idea of having like Elseworld movies, we've talked about that in the past. I don't think that's a bad idea if they can do it effectively. But I think I saw Sean make this point on social media. Like, their main house isn't even in order. You know, like the, the DCEU is a fucking mess. It has one successful movie and like 10 other ones planned. Why are we making things like it's just how many fucking superhero movies do we need in a year? We need a whole second other DC universe of movies because your main one is like so bloated and fucked up. Like, I don't know. I don't trust them to do it and make quality movies. That's the problem. Let's just make movies. Stop connecting them. Clearly, you're doing a bad job. Just make the movies. Um, I read this uh, on Twitter um, from uh, 
at James Asmus. Um, so thank you, James. Uh, it said, uh, if, and this wasn't in, you know, anything in particular to us, but, um, it said, he said, uh, if WB really wants to get a fresh, uh, take on the Joker, uh, a Joker origin movie should be a high end anthology of totally conflicting accounts. That would be fucking rad. They're yeah, not going to cool. do it. No. They're going to give us a definitive, here's the origin of the Joker movie, and, like, that's And they're going to fuck it up. That's not, it's all, that's A, not a good idea, and I, I B, I think a disservice to a casual audience who is not intimately familiar with the fact that the Joker has multiple origin stories, and then they're going to look at that movie as, that is the Joker's origin story. We're putting a definitive origin on a character who's not supposed to have one. People already do that with the 1989 Batman movie. Yeah, but I mean... A lot of people say, oh, he was Joe Chill, and he became the Joker, and he murdered Batman's parents. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's, I think, that's fair. Was it? I think it was uh, Jake Clapper, the CNN uh, uh, reporter, I guess brought up this news, and he, he, he seemed to think that the, the Red Hood story was the, was the Joker's origin. And that's caused a, a big backlash. I mean, kind of. I mean, the Joker was the Red Hood before he was the Joker in some accounts. I Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying that it's been, you know, it's another one of those things that's hotly debated. Sure. So, uh, I think that this, I think, you know, this is a bad idea. We, we pretty much all agree with that. Could be good. And, oh, fuck. <laughs> the internet in general seemed to share the sentiment. You can go on Twitter. There's, there's a lot of reactions to this movie. Most of them are bad. Um, is there a world in which a good Joker solo movie could be made? Uh, yeah, I think there is. Um, there have been good Joker solo comic books. The Joker comic by Brian Azzarello was awesome uh, from uh, quite a few years back now, but it was really great. But Joker wasn't even the main character. It was told from someone else's perspective because Joker doesn't have a perspective. Joker is insane, and he works better when you don't see what's coming and when you can't read his mind. And when any panel, he could be murdering you, he could be kissing you, he could be giving you flowers, he could be, you know, like, you you cannot predict what he'll be doing from panel to panel. That makes him compelling. Yeah, and I think watching him and trying to humanize him or make us empathize with him or, like, get inside his mind or whatever, like, that's a disservice to what makes the character succeed. I wasn't always damaged I wasn't always daddy's little monster. I used to be a man. Now, let's 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 tie this in to another story that we got this week because this is directly related. Now, we're getting a Joker and Harley Quinn movie, right? Which I think we've probably talked about at some point in the past. We've talked about that as an idea that was being floated around. Um but now the Writer-director duo behind Crazy Stupid Love is attached to this film. Glenn Ficarra and John Requa are attached to this movie uh, to write and direct the film. They're in final negotiations, according to The Hollywood Reporter. And that this movie would be a kind of criminal love story. (laughs) The The film is expected to release after Suicide Squad 2. However... A new rumor uh, is suggesting that because of this film, 
um, it would take it would take the place of Gotham City Sirens. So that movie we've talked about that ad nauseum. That would be the film that would star Poison Ivy, Catwoman, and Harley Quinn, and take place after Suicide Squad Part One. Now we're hearing that Gotham City Sirens might not even happen. And if that takes place, then David Ayer, who's supposed to be um, directing Gotham City Sirens, won't be involved at all. So what the fast- fuck is happening? What the fuck are you doing, DC? Seriously, are you drunk? Is your whole company drunk? I'll tell you what's happening. Warner Brothers, obviously I don't mean DC Comics. Hot Topic is losing its mind right now. They're about to get so much money. They got the weirdest 13-year-old boners right now. Oh, man. Enough is enough. I don't need four fucking movies with the Joker in it. Get the fuck saw, out of here. They saw the, the, the success of a, a brilliant, strong, hopeful woman. And they went, ah, about three more uh, Joker movies. Three more damaged daddy little monsters. That's what sells. Th- these announcements represent the worst and everyone's worst fears about what a connected cinematic universe would be. When... This was all announced. Everyone said, I don't want it to be Batman in every movie, right? That would have been bad. Nobody wants to see that. I'm a huge Batman fan. I don't even want that. Now we're getting something even worse than that, which is Joker in every movie. Finally, more Joker. And like every Batman spinoff character, like we're gonna have like 10 fucking Batman universe movies. It's just like, just stop. Like, can you get (sighs) stop announcing new movies? Stop fucking announcing new movies. Get one other fucking movie right. Okay? Justice League is gonna suck. Like, it's, it's going to. I'm calling it. Like, I, we were like all hopeful about it. It's gotten worse and worse every time we fucking hear about it. It's not, no. I've said it from, I've said it from day one. I've also said it from day one. It's gonna be fucking bad. And we have one good fucking movie in this universe. We already talked about how they're fucking up the first Flash movie. Like, and then every other movie has been canceled two or three times over or gotten a rewrite on the script or a new director or lost its star. Just fucking stop. So is the like, Roman Reigns... the fuck down. Is the Roman Reigns Aquaman movie going to take place in the main universe or outside the universe? <laughs> I'd watch that. I don't, I don't understand what that is. What intrigues me about uh, this announcement is that it comes after San Diego Comic-Con which we're a month out from. You would imagine that if you were going to announce something this big, the idea that there's this Elseworlds um, imprint that you're going to be doing on film, which on its face, I don't care for, but I understand why people would be okay with it. Um, That to me is the big story, right? That's the big story. We're going to do this Elseworlds imprint. We're going to have these movies that we get to tell all these kinds of stories. You sell people on that, but to just come out of the gate with, hey, we're doing this Joker movie, and we're doing this and this, and it's like, I can't even digest all this stuff, right? I wonder and I wonder if, like, to your point there, Sean, like, like we, ha- you know, the main focus of, like, San Diego was, like, the Justice League, right? And, like, Flash and Aquaman and even Wonder Woman 2. Um, I wonder now if they're just kind of spitballing uh, we're gonna do three Joker movies. Yeah, how do you feel about that? Oh, you don't like it? Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. 
<laughs> we were just kidding. It's canceled. We're just doing Do- Gotham City Sirens. What are you even talking about? Yeah, Wonder Woman. That's fine. Yeah, no, we love Wonder Woman. But see, the problem with that is that, you know, things in Hollywood can move fast. But if they're in final negotiations, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they've been talking for since before San Diego about this stuff. They've been talking about this for some time. That are so <laughs> old Scorsese's real bored. <laughs> if and if they got him on board, this is this is far enough along that they have a they have a vision, they have a path, they know what they're doing. This is not gonna get canceled. You're not gonna do you're not gonna you're not gonna say all these things about a movie that's this big and not put it out. Oh, the Joker. This is definitely happening. Yeah, yeah. This is this is it. This is what we're getting. And to me, this is the worst way to introduce your Elseworlds imprint. And 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 that's just my terminology, by the way. That's not what they're calling it. They're not calling it anything. But that's what it is. Um. So this is the worst way to do it. If you're gonna do this, Red Sun. I don't want it. Right. I don't want it. But that's the way you do it. Do Red Sun with John Hamm as Superman. Like, let's just do it. <laughs> But what it is, is that they don't want to confuse audiences that much, but they want to tell stories that allow them to get away from certain actors and do whatever they want. They want to tell a Joker origin story, but then say, oh, but it's not attached to the regular universe. So we're just making a Joker movie, but don't count this as the origin for the Joker that appears in every other movie when it's Jared Leto. That's what they're saying. They're saying, we want we want to put Joker's name on the marquee so that you go spend $100 million dollars. Or, or more, or a billion dollars, or whatever, to see this thing, but don't don't attach this to anything else that we're doing. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. They they won't do Red Sun because Superman doesn't sell, and because I still contend that that's confusing. But well, but so is here, this though? Well, it is, but in their mind, it's like no, we just want to make a Joker movie. We just want to make yeah, it's just it's just Joker, but it's cool. Yeah, yeah jo- Joker. He'll right. get us. He'll get us some money too. Don't worry about it. You don't. You don't have the questions of, oh well, why is Batman so old right now? If it's a Dark Knight Returns movie, or why is why is uh, Superman Russian? What happened with that? How did that? What about the other? What about Henry Cavill? All those questions are out the window because this is easy and simple and dumb, and that's what they continue to do. And I'm shocked that Jeff Johns agreed to this. I don't think he has as much power as we think, because like nothing except Wonder Woman. Like, not, not not one of their decisions except for the success of Wonder Woman as a quality film shows me that his being there is doing anything to make things better. Like, Justice League is still a mess and they're announcing movies left and fucking right and it's it's a... I don't know. This ship is like... or I was gonna say the ship is sinking, but let's say the cart's off the rails because it's still fucking moving. <laughs> Decommissioned now, train. Let's... Let's talk about another movie uh, in the DC uh, universe that is undergoing some problems. Justice League Dark uh, recently lost its director, like a recent as in a few months, lost uh, Doug Le- Doug Lyman, the director. Hashtag and then before that, Elmo. yep, lost El Toro, and now we're learning that the studio executives were underwhelmed by the pitches of directors that they were um, bringing on board to work on the film. Uh, they couldn't secure a director, and they're, they don't like the script. So they're going to rewrite the script entirely. This is a movie that's been in production off and on for 
Year, over five years. It's like seven or eight years, dude. Yeah. And you're rewriting the script. Why is this even why is this even something that you're working on? Seriously. That's my question. Because it, it has Swamp Thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's even more confusing things to talk about. Okay. So with that announcement of the uh, Elseworlds line or whatever, um, there's questions about the Batman. Because Matt Reeves uh, said in an interview, this was this wasn't recent. Um, this was from a, a month back. Um, but he said in an interview with KCRW uh, the following. I have a vision for a way to do something with that character that feels like it resonates with me personally and a perspective that can grow out into other things. When they, meaning Warner Brothers, approached me, what they said was, look, it's a standalone. It's not part of the extended universe. So when he said that, I don't think anyone questioned it. But because of the the context of this Joker announcement and all that's coming with that, it threw that it threw his wording into disarray because now everyone's saying, okay, so are you saying that this movie doesn't take place in the, in the mainline continuity? And so Matt Reeves did tweet out a clarification and did, did say definitively the following. Of course, Batman will be part of the DC universe. Batman will be Batman. In my comments from a while back about not being part of the DCEU, I was talking about the Batman being a story specifically about Batman, not about others in the universe. That it wouldn't be filled with cameos servicing other stories, that it would be a Batman story. So, in all of this, that's probably the only piece of news that's good. And people aren't even totally sold on the idea of this movie. It's just that Things were so off the rails, and their 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 wording and their their me- message is so unclear that people didn't even know if the Batman movie would be part of their universe. Yeah, the fact that that's even a question speaks volumes about how messy this whole thing is. And they had an opportunity to tell their story perfectly and succinctly at San Diego Comic Con. They had all the goodwill coming out of that event. And they blew it a month later. No more hot takes? Let's move on. I'm done. (laughs) How much more of this can you beat us over the head with, Sean? I'm done beating this horse. That's it. That's all for the the DC news. I just, um, I mean, they really, they got to figure it out. They they have to. The movies are, they keep making money and they're going to keep making money. Justice League is going to do amazing. Whether it's good or not. And that's going to lead to a sequel, and they're going to keep doing this, and they're not listening to the feedback. They're just not. They don't care. Let's talk about something that is working. Let's talk about Marvel, and let's talk about Guardians. Guardians 1 and 2, big successes. Uh, Guardians 3, probably going to be a success as well. I would say that's a, that's a pretty good bet, considering that James Gunn is attached. However, James Gunn did say... That Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will begin the next 10 to 20 years of the MCU. Uh, this was during a live Facebook Q&A where he talked about how much influence he and the third installment of the Guardians trilogy will have as MCU enters its next phase. Uh, so he had the following to say. And this, this 
piece also includes Nova. Nova comes up occasionally as someone we might use. One of the things that I'm doing with creating Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which will take place after the next two Avengers movies, will help set up the next 10, 20 years of Marvel movies. It's going to really expand the cosmic universe. We're going to be setting up new characters, and it will be the last movie of this version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. That is an important statement. This version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, um... So, what do you guys think about the idea of 10 to 20 years of this? I just, like, aren't there other movies? Is that, like, is that just what we're doing now? And this is how this is how Hollywood works, man. Like, it moves in trends, you know? And it's like, Ugh. I feel like, uh, I, I, I feel like anyone who didn't expect another 10 years of Marvel movies was kidding themselves. Why would they stop making them? They're successful. They make a ton of money. They have clear plans after the clear endpoint they set over a decade ago. That's and, still, uh, yeah, that's still working, still selling, still making yeah, money. Yeah. So why yeah. would you stop? You know, it's like, it doesn't make sense, you know? And like, yeah, like, of course there are other movies, but like, that's the thing is like, think about who makes these. It's fucking Disney. They do make plenty of other movies, you know? Like, They've got two other major franchises that are consistently putting out things right now, too. So it's like, I just feel like uh, this is kind of natural, you know? Like, it, it's more interesting to me to think about how does it keep going for 10 years? Because they're obviously not going to have these, like, Robert Downey Jr. is not going to be playing Iron Man for another 10 years. He's, so Yeah, he's supposed are, to be out for the gonna, next movie. Right. So it's like, are we going to see new actors cast in these roles or are we going to see these characters get killed off? I, that's my big question. I, I think a little bit of both, you know, I think a little bit of both. I think some characters who are on the come up will become mainline Avengers while the others take a back seat. Uh, I think we get introduced to new characters. We're getting Captain Marvel. We're getting um, Nova. So there's a lot of ways that they can go with it. I, a lot of people have expressed audible groans, Kale-esque audible groans, at the idea of 20 more years of this stuff. And my perspective is, why would you not want 20 more years, 50, 100 more years of something good? I'm already pretty, I don't get that. I'm already pretty done with the Marvel movies. Yeah, you don't like them, though. So so this announcement should mean nothing to you. Yeah, you because you never like them. Yeah, they're not going to... So if, if you don't like, so they're never going to lose the rights to these movies. So if you don't like what they do with these movies, you never will. And therefore, this announcement isn't for you. So if you are not a fan, I get it. But if you are a fan, why would you say to yourself, you know what? I don't want any more of this. No one says that about comics. That's a pretty broad statement. We've said several know. times on this show, oh, I'm tired. I'm sick of events. Yeah, I'm sick of this event comic bullshit. I'm sick of the Events resetting. The uh, I'm talking about. You, now, I'm hold talking on. About, you said it, a broad statement. No, Kale, you're deliberately not not correctly interpreting what I'm saying. Mm. What I'm saying is, no one says because I'm, I don't want any more Spider-Man stories. I want that over. No one says I'm tired of Superman stories. I want it over. No one says those things. Fans of those characters do not want those stories to end because they want more. That's a natural thing. So why is it different for the cinematic universe? Because you're showing us the same thing. Doctor Strange was the same thing as Iron Man in 2008. If you switch those time, those movies, 
and premiered Doctor Strange in 2008, it would have launched the exact same. Nope. That that's, is yeah, incorrect. That's not true. That's, that's not true. true. You're both oh, you're fools. No, no, you're no. fools. They were, exact, they were the exact same. A, no, they're fucking not. That's such a gross oversimplification. And B, that 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 is such a ridiculous statement to say, oh, yeah, you could have just moved that movie uh, like a decade ago and it would have just worked exactly the same way. No, and let me finish. Iron Man worked because Iron Man is a character that's fucking grounded and we had 10 years of fucking crazy superhero magic and fucking bullshit before we got to Doctor Strange. If you put out Doctor Strange in 2008 with no other context and the fucking closest movies before that that are superhero movies are X-Men, Spider-Man, and Batman, there's no fucking way that that movie succeeds. I no way. I totally disagree. Holy You're disagree. Well, people, all right. fucking rules. People, people would have been confused. No one would have even made. You couldn't have even made the movie in two thousand and eight. So it falls apart just on that premise alone. Uh, no one. Doctor Strange is not the same character as Iron Man in terms of relatability. Oh my god, that yes, was a is. movie that worked very well for that time. When you consider when it came out and how the world was talking about weapons of mass destruction and Iron Man and what he represented to the United States at that time as a character and how he penetrated. That was the perfect synthesis of actor, director, storyline, character in one movie. Doctor Strange is not that. It's not. It's a great movie. I liked it a lot. But if it comes out in 2008, it doesn't launch this universe. It had to be Iron Man. Couldn't have even been Cap. I do think they made uh, Doctor Strange into magic Iron Man. Similar origin That's story. True. I'm not disagreeing with that assessment. That that's like, the character. Yeah, like that's the that's the that's the character. Okay, well, Doctor Strange is Magic Iron Man then. <laughs> I think I think for his origin, yeah. But once you get beyond that, like if you watch the trailers for um for Hulk or not Hulk Thor, he's not like that. He's he's a different character. He's grown. Iron Man is the same guy, but um. Getting back to the the mainline topic, I just don't see why someone would not want more movies that are good. Eh, well, they'd have to be good. You, again, you're you're not <laughs> relevant in this conversation. I know. I'm just instigating. Yeah, it's a, to me, it's like it's it's a it's a no brainer if they can put out more new movies that are quality and like they people keep coming, then they're going to keep coming. You know. And, like, if they lose people along the way, like, I don't think that's a problem. There'll be new people. Because in 10 years, all the little kids that are that are, that are are young right now and can't go to the movies, they're going to be going to the movies. Or the kids so who were, just, like, eight when they saw Avengers and now, you know, now they're 16. Right. We're going to be cycling through people. We're gonna, this, this is a generational thing. And I am so happy. I can't wait until I have kids and I can take them to these movies. And I mean, we'll see, right? Because I, I do think there's a bubble burst here. Like, I think this ends eventually. Like, this is what happened. And I, I've made this comparison in the past. This happened with Westerns. You know, like, Westerns were the big thing. And you had four Western movies a year. And we never thought they'd go away. And people got sick of them. And that, that'll probably happen here eventually. But I don't think it's anytime soon. Yeah, they got replaced with spy movies. So something that will grab a young person's imagination will have to take its place. And I think you're hard-pressed to find something that does that better than superheroes, especially now that we're at a point where we're not just doing superheroes. Mm. You know, like now a superhero movie can be a sci-fi movie. Yeah. It can be a spy movie. Superhero it can be genres. a fantasy movie. Yeah. yeah, the superhero, like superheroes as a genre are way more diverse than 
what Hollywood had given us up until recently, very recently. You know, I would say even since Guardians, not even the original batch of Avengers movies. Like Thor is really the only one that's weird out of any of them. Yeah, so I'm I am ready for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of new films and um I hope that uh they continue to find success. And with James Gunn at, you know, setting this stuff up, I mean, come on. Yeah, that's you know, that's where I'm at, man. It's like I definitely like I'm not as jazzed about the MCU films now as I was when they were in phase 1 because they were so like exciting because it was so new now it is a little bit more you know uh expected but like i enjoy seeing the movies when i see them and like yeah i don't watch them 10 or 15 times or anything like that i don't think they're all masterpieces but they're fun summer blockbusters and i'm gonna keep seeing them as long as i keep enjoying them and i have been yeah so the next topic is not something that generally speaking is within the realm of this show but it's a massive piece of news, and I feel like we kind of have to address it on some level. So here we go. Uh, Joss Whedon, uh, Hollywood super producer, writer, director, everything, um, was married to a woman named Kai Cole for quite a while, 15 years. Uh, they got divorced a few years back, and uh, recently, as in this week, Kai Cole wrote a an essay, very revealing essay about their relationship and about their life as a couple and some things that Joss Whedon revealed to her in a post-divorce letter. Um, I'm going to read some quotes from her and then we'll give our feedback after that. She said that Whedon is a hypocrite preaching feminist ideals uh, basically saying, you know what, let me let me get into this here. 15 years later, when he was done with our marriage and finally ready to tell the truth, um, he wrote to me the following. When I was running Buffy, I was surrounded by beautiful, needy, aggressive young women. It felt like I had a disease, like something from a Greek myth. Suddenly, I am a powerful producer, and the world is laid out at my feet, and I can't touch it. But he did touch it. Those are her words. Um, later, after he confessed everything, he told me, I let myself love you. I stopped worrying about the contradiction. As a guilty man, I knew the only way to hide was to act as though I were righteous. And as a husband, I wanted to be with you like we had been. I lived two lives. When he walked out of our marriage and was trying to make things seem less bewildering to help me understand how he could have lied to me for so long, he said, in many ways... I was the height of normal in this culture. We're talking to, we're taught to be providers and companions and at the same time to conquer and acquire, specifically sexually. And I was pulling off both. Um, she, at some, at some point in the article, does admit that she had to go to therapy for this and was diagnosed with complex PTSD. Um, that's heavy stuff. Uh, despite understanding that what he was doing was wrong, he never conceded the hypocrisy of being out in the world preaching feminist ideals while at the same time taking away my right to make choices for my life and my body based on the truth. He deceived, deceived me for 15 years so he could have everything he wanted. 
I believed, everyone believed, that he was one of the good guys, committed to fighting for women's rights, committed to our marriage, and to the women he worked with. But I now see how he was used, how he used his relationship with me as a shield, both during and after our marriage, so no one would question his relationships with other women or scrutinize his writings as anything other than feminist. So that's where I'll leave it for uh, the quotes from her written stuff. I do want to add that um, a spokesperson for Whedon did provide a statement to the rap, which is um, the, the, that's where this came from. Uh, While this account includes inaccuracies and misrepresentations, which can be harmful to their family, Joss is not commenting out of concern for his children and out of respect for his ex-wife. Joss Whedon's career has been dragged through the mud as a result of this. Um, his identity, quote-unquote, as a feminist creator has been dragged through the mud, uh, and people are essentially saying that um, now all of his work is in question, and um, you know that he's not the person he portrayed himself as for all these years. I'm going to step out of this for a moment, and I want to know what you guys think. I guess I don't have that much to say other than like, I, I guess I'll, I'll present the question, like can can his you know, quote unquote, feminist works be separated from this. You know, if he made them under the guise of be of what he thought was being a righteous, uh, you know, feminist, and and you know, these most of his projects are pretty well renowned as. Feminist friendly, I guess, for for lack of a better term, um, can these be separated? I mean, I think this is a question that we've talked about a lot on this show. I mean, we have an old episode about it, one of our earlier ones about uh, the death of the author, which is the concept of can you or should you, when looking at art, um, remove the context of who created it and judge the work by the work, and. I go back and forth on that a lot because hmm. I think there are plenty of things like this, right? Like, do I think that Joss Whedon cheating on his wife um, invalidates uh, Buffy, the vampire slayer? Like, yeah. No, I don't, you know? And like, yeah, like it's his baby and his hands are all over it and everything. But I don't think that that should devalue what that show meant for so many uh, women and, and frankly, um, gay people, you know, I think it, it still was, uh, a groundbreaking work and it still means a lot to a lot of people. Um, I don't personally have any relationship to it, but like, I know Sean's a big fan, right? So I'm interested to hear what he has to say about this, but I, I like, does this make me feel differently about Joss Whedon? Yes. Uh, but in terms of his work, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why I don't feel so strongly about it. And maybe it's because like, frankly, if I'm offering my opinion, like this is gross and horrible, but like, it's not like I don't see cheating on your wife as like, as like a cardinal cardinal sin. Like it's horrible. Right. But it's not like he murdered or raped somebody. And it's like a little bit easier for me to separate him being a shitty person in his personal life versus like him, like, straight up assaulting someone and i don't know I'm, I'm thinking it out with you guys right like i don't want to say this is definitively how i feel about it i'm just throwing some thoughts yeah. at the wall yeah, i don't yeah. know you know so the problem with this is that this was during the height of buffy 
when he in, in the description that his ex-wife uses, she says things like, or Joss said things like, "I'm surrounded by very hungry and aggressive women trying to advance right, their right. career," and he and he exploited the shit out of that yeah. because he wanted to be this alpha male, which the show that you know controversially advanced feminist goals because there's a lot of feminists who don't like Buffy and say that it's not pro-feminist, which is a thing. Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. And there's a, a big school of thought that, like, you know, says that he's not who he says he is, like, long before this ever came out. And I think we've, yeah, I think I know we've talked about some, this. Yeah, we did. Yeah, but there's literally a whole episode, Joss Whedon in journalism. Go check that out. Um, yeah, both of those are, are good, and we touch on this stuff. And I think in that episode, we talked about how there was some drama with an actress who he had worked with on Angel, I think, and some stuff like that that people have pointed to. And yeah, I I, I think in a lot of ways, the more the, – the fact that we're seeing this come out after there's been all these little pieces of this story, you know, that were not enough for anybody to devalue him or it was enough for people to defend him – I feel like we're getting a more complete picture that like he's really done some really gross stuff and you know like we have to reconcile with that. Mm. Let me let me finish my train of thought here. Um, no, it's okay. You had good points and that's why I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> um, so I think you're right that cheating on a, a spouse isn't the worst thing you can do. I don't I don't like it obviously. It's it's yeah. That. Of course, I'm not condoning that at all. Right. I think the problem is the way he did it, um, or at least allegedly did it. Um, it yeah, it's off, the it's the stuff compounded on that. Yeah, he comes off like a real sleaze, and I mean, you can say Hollywood all you want, and that's true. People in Hollywood do get a little bit of a pass for um, um, you know extramarital shit and doing things like that. Sure. Sure. But, the problem is that of what he was spouting and doing it, he almost comes off like he's trying to manipulate women with his jargon. You know, spouting this like, "Oh, I'm, I like feminism," all while he's, you know, manipulating and exploiting women. Sure, sure. And or, or again, like to his wife's point, where like using that as a shield to be able to be sleazy. Yeah. Um, I will say just to play devil's advocate here, I I do want to point out, um, and again, this is not a defense of his actions or anything like that, but I guess just to explore this line of thought, it's interesting to me to think about like someone in his position, right? If I can project a little bit, cause I don't, I don't know Joss Whedon personally. I know his parents were like rich TV producers or whatever. So take that for what it is, but to have this like heavy set, not attractive guy who then finds himself in this like place of power where he is able to like position himself as an alpha male for the first time in his life and like take advantage of women is definitely a narrative that makes sense to me. And like, I think reinforces what the worst uh, truth of this could be. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I mean, don't, I'm not saying I don't get why it happened. It just doesn't exonerate him. No, again, and I'm not trying to. I'm just throwing that out there. You heard it here first, folks. Pete's mansplaining it to all of us, and he is a chauvinist. 
I'm just saying, think about the poor nerd boys, Phil. <laughs> Girls were mean to me in high school. <laughs> um, it's funny because I remember 40 episodes ago, I remember when you were talking about Joss Whedon and directing Batgirl, and I was like, pass. Fuck that guy. And then, when that came out, everyone's like, he's not a feminist director. Blah, 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 blah. And I don't know. 2017 hasn't been kind to Joss Whedon. No. Oh, at this rate, it hasn't been kind to anybody. Yeah. All right, Sean. So, yeah. So, uh, I, I I guess I, I, I probably have a very controversial opinion on this in that I really, first of all, don't think that this is for public consumption. I don't think I, – I don't understand why Kai Cole felt the need to do this. Um, I guess she wanted the world to know who Joss really is. I don't see why that matters. Um, I also think that it's really interesting how willing people are to judge anybody for anything that they do when every single person in this on this planet has done something that they're not cool with. Um, that they're not happy about themselves with and would take back if they could. And maybe he wouldn't take it back. But quite frankly, it doesn't matter if he would or wouldn't because at the end of the day, he's an individual human, just like we're all individual humans. And so as a man, as a human, whatever he's dealing with, that's him. And none of us should be in a position to judge him for that. And I think that everybody who's dragging him right now should really take a hard look at themselves and who they are, and what they've done, and whether or not they're in a position to be an authority figure to say that someone is screwed up, or a gross person, or this, or that, or the other thing. We weren't in those situations. And if we were, who knows what what choice we would have made. And I just don't think that it's right to judge someone on that front. Now, on the front of him being uh, a creative entertainer, and someone who is a feminist, if, okay, so he cheated on his wife and he did it over the course of many years, which, you know, that's, that sucks. What does that have to do with being a proponent of women having equal rights, of women being treated fairly when it comes to the public, to, to, to the public? Um, in terms of getting acting jobs, in terms of getting all kinds of jobs, in terms of fair pay, in terms of all those things. Um, what does that have to do with female characters being treated properly in entertainment? What does it have to do with any of those things? Uh, he made, he made a choice in his relationship that's unsavory to most, but I don't see how that changes. I don't see how that, why that has any effect on what his philosophy about women is. So he, the first part. He, sorry, one second. Yeah. He may not have acted um, properly, but that does that doesn't change the message that he's trying to send. Okay, so the first part of that is yeah, everyone makes mistakes, everyone does bad things. People don't need to. You don't need to point a finger and say he's a bad guy, but you can look at his actions and say that's a really shitty thing to do, and there's nothing wrong with that, and that doesn't make anyone a hypocrite because even if you regret your actions, you can acknowledge yourself for performing shitty actions and look at someone else and say that's a shitty thing to do. That's part of empathizing with the human experience. The second part of that is it's not the fact that he had an affair and 
was still, you know, running a show that's primarily about women. It's the fact that he was exploiting women who were hungry and trying to make it in Hollywood as a man, as a patriarchal figure, and having them basically co- combat it out because he was in a position of authority and a power. He exploited their hunger. Yeah, that's actually the part that makes me more uncomfortable. Um, I, I don't think that cheating on your wife means you can't be a feminist. I think that's kind of ridiculous um, to take that position, and I've seen people take that position. Uh, yeah, he was disrespecting a woman. That was his wife. But I think it's more important to say he was disrespecting his partner. You know, if if someone's wife is cheating on them for over a decade, you wouldn't say, oh, she's a misandrinist. You know, she doesn't respect men. No, she didn't respect this man who was her husband. And I think that's a, a worthwhile distinction. I don't think him cheating on his wife negates him from being able to, uh, you know, write feminist art or whatever. But I do think to Phil's point of exploiting women who he was working with um, or or women who wanted to work with him uh, for sexual favors or, or whatever. Like, yeah, that's that's unsavory. And that is unfeminist. And I think it you're treating that I think people as lesser than people. That that that's I think that's out of out of our balance to say because we don't know those circumstances. <laughs> well, I mean, he, I mean, he's yeah, the one who does. But we're also here commenting on it. So, well, yeah, and 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 I'm not um, I'm not above the hypocrisy of we shouldn't be talking about this. This is not for public consumption. But yeah, we're here talking. Yeah, he chose to right, bring this yeah. topic up. <laughs> sure, uh, because I like ratings, but <laughs> um. But at the same time, though, because we're not in those situations, how do we get to say, oh, well, he was a piece of shit scumbag, you know? That's why her releasing this, you know, it's like, okay, well, for me, somebody who's not going to be quick to judge, what am I supposed to take away? And to, to put this onto storytelling and just kind of close the book on this subject... As a storyteller, I don't understand why, how, like, how does this affect your viewing of his work? I don't understand why it would change anything. See, that I, I, that I do get, because I, I definitely understand the whole problem with, again, right? Because I'm, I'm saying, I, like, I'm aware of the concept of the death of the author. It's not a thing I'm good at um, practicing. You know, I, I have a real problem with that. If, if I get the sense that the person, uh, who's making the art is someone unsavory or someone that I don't like or, Rat queens. um, that I, what's that? Rat queens, right? Yeah, right. Like, like that was the thing that brought that up for me was, I, and I, I'm still not reading Rat Queens right now. And like, I've been struggling because I really want to get back into it. But the whole, co- um, controversy with Rock Up Church, which again, we talked all about in the Death of the Author episode. So you can go back to that. Um, that was a real problem for me. And that was my second favorite comic. And I stopped reading it because of the way that I, it made me feel weird, you know, that I was reading this book that was, oh, it's this great feminist book. And the guy who's writing it is going to bat for a guy who beat his wife and fired a woman who was doing a really good job, even though she was promised that it was her gig. And it made me feel weird, you know, and like, it's something I'm still reconciling about if I even want to support that book. Yeah, I have a hard time distilling uh, artists from that work because to me they're synonymous. If I take umbrage with the person creating something, I, I have a hard time consuming it. 
then I, I, I guess I, my point is I don't understand how you guys can consu- consume anything because everybody's fucked up. And the diff, the only distinction that you're making is whether or not you hear about it. And to me, it's like, if, if I like a thing, I like it. And Joss Whedon has done some things creatively that have like changed my life. And that doesn't, that doesn't stop or stop being true because he's not a great human. I don't get it. Oh, I'm not, I'm not criticizing you for feeling that way. You know, I know that. Yeah. That's just kind of like, that is a problem. I know I personally have where like, I don't know that I can always reconcile with it. And yeah, like nobody's perfect. I'm not saying that everybody who creates art needs to be a fucking, uh, a paragon of virtue, right? Like again, to take it back, a great example of, is someone like, like John Lennon, right? Like definitely cheated on his wife. Like he cheated on his first wife with tons of groupies and everything, but I don't see that as an unforgivable sin. That's the kind of thing I can look at and say, he's a flawed human. What he did was wrong. And I would judge him for it personally, but I don't think that he did anything so horrible that it makes me like feel some kind of way about his art, you know? Whereas like, um, I forget the name of the, the grunge band, but there was that really popular grunge band where it came out that the lead singer was a pedophile. Lost Profits. Weirdly enough, it's actually in the news here right now. And like, that's a thing that like, I totally would not be able to listen to Lost Profits anymore if I was a fan of theirs, uh, of just being like, yeah, like I'm supposed to be emotionally relating to this guy that I know assaulted children, you know? And it's the same reason, like, and I know we've talked about this off mic, Sean, it's the same reason that I really like, I can't watch Bill Cosby's comedy anymore or like watch the Cosby show. And I used to love Bill Cosby, but it's like, I can't do it anymore because it makes me uncomfortable. I just watched Bill, like the Cosby show all week. And, like, I'm happy that you don't have that, like, I wish I could separate art from the artist like that, but I can't. Yeah, and I think I think there is something for acknowledging that, you know, the artist, and even the art itself, has problems. You know, nothing and nobody is perfect. You know, uh, full stop. So, you know, I there's nothing wrong with saying... Yeah, Joss Whedon's kind of a piece of shit, but Buffy really means something to me. Yeah, I don't think there's a problem with that either at all. You know, like I don't I don't think you have to love the artist to like the art either. I think it's a matter of what you can personally justify. You know, and it's like how unsavory is the thing, right? Cuz it's like you know, it's like when I found, you know, it's like fucking, uh, what's her name? Like Winona Ryder, right? Like got arrested for shoplifting or whatever. It's like, I don't give a fuck about shoplifting. You know, it's like violent crime. That's really where like the line is for me. Violent or sexual crime is like, that's, that's fucked up. And like, as much as I think everything here Joss Whedon did was really gross and it colors my opinion of him as a person, it's not going to make me never watch Avengers again. Like he didn't rape anybody. You know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to watch Avengers again regardless. I hate you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be interested oh, to see man. how this affects Justice League, or if it does at all. Nope. Won't I, don't, affect I, don't, I don't think this is going to matter. I think this is a flash in the pan, and the people that already hate Joss Whedon will continue to hate him, and the people that like his work will continue to go to bat for his work. Yeah, this this doesn't make me uh, hate his work anymore. It just means I don't like his work regardless. <laughs> so... The way things ended there with the Joss Whedon conversation, uh, we kind of feel like that was a good enough place to end the show this week. Um, but that leaves the Defenders. 
So what we were, what we're going to do is it's already out. You can go listen to it right now. We're recording the Defenders uh, special review as a separate thing from this main show, but almost as an addendum. So again, we're, we're committed to that. It's out there now. Go listen to it. Um, you'll get to hear our full thoughts on the show. Um, so nothing changes. You just have to click one more click. One extra click, hear, guys. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> uh, you'll get to hear that. But I want you to make like one other click because I want you to rate the show on iTunes. And I want you to listen to us on all other podcast hosting platforms where you can find us. Um, actually, we are now on um, Player FM. So that's pretty cool. Uh, you Check can it find out. the Comics Pals on there. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, wherever your social media is sold, we are at the Comics Pals. Um, you can write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the Joss Whedon situation. Um, obviously, it's a yes, and the DC situation. That's a, that's a big one. Um, all the is fucking a Joker's, drama. <laughs> is a Joker solo film origin solo film something that you want to see um and do you wish that they would take this opportunity to recast batman and get rid of ben affleck or joker Uh, for that matter or joker yes definitely (laughs) or or should the comics pals have a an elseworlds where phil gets replaced on the show uh and then last but not least of course we are on youtube um like we said at the top Definitely check out the history of the Defenders episode that we did of Behind the Books. It's a new thing. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you think about it. We all worked really hard. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just we want to know what you guys think and, and what you would like to see us do more of in that vein if you want that. And if you want something else, let us know. Um, and, and, and also, we went to FlameCon last weekend. Um, we did some interviews there. Those should be up and available for you guys if not now within the next couple of days so stay tuned for that check that out uh and with that we're gonna do some plugs pete cool thanks again for joining us here on another episode of the comics pals if you guys want to get some more content for me uh you can check out the video game pals tomorrow our sister show where we talk about video games uh me and sean will be back after being away for flame con next week so uh please tune in if you're a gamer uh you can also check out my writing over at cbr.com and if you want to hit me up on uh, social media i'm at loud underscore pete wherever your social media is sold you can come talk to me about all this fucking nonsense man it's a lot i'm i'll be happy to talk about it with you all this fucking nonsense i don't want to talk about any of it so don't come find me on twitter at t-o-t-o-i-n-t-o-w but do make sure and go buy my uh comics from uh panels publishing um on comiXology uh we're a small independent group that needs money so please and thank you (laughs) kale also moved across the world so he could probably use some fucking money in his pocket i think that's why everything's so backwards with my plugs oh because you're in because it's all anyway England time. Got it. Marco? Uh, you can find me at woeismarco uh, underscore on Twitter and woeismarco on Instagram. And I did just want to plug, for anyone interested, Kevin Eastman's uh, Drawing Blood graphic novel. is uh, It's five days away from being completed on Kickstarter, so go support it because it looks like something pretty cool. Um... For all the dear listeners who were upset that I was on last week's episode, it's okay. I'm here now. (laughs) 
And of course, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Cyborg Bebop. But don't harass me about any stupid shit. Just tell me how great I am. I'm at Sean Soapbox on Twitter. You can write to me to argue with me about my opinions because according to Matt Murphy, that is what Twitter is for. <laughs> and with that, we're the Comics Pound Take care, guys. See you next week. Get lost. <laughs>